your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Monday's edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast, February 8th, 2021. And the NFL season is officially done. Done deal records as Tampa Bay wins Super Bowl 55, 31-9. Tom Brady's the MVP, but in my opinion, the real MVP was that Tampa Bay defense. Uh, maybe Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator. Either way, that defense was awesome, uh, what they were able to do to Kansas City and made Patrick Mahomes' life just miserable all day long. Linebackers Levante David, Devin White, uh, Studs, the, the front four that was rushing, Barrett, Sue, Vita Vea, JPP, just awesome. Just did a great job just getting after the quarterback. So you really got to give the hats off to that Tampa Bay defense. But uh, Tom Brady ends up winning the MVP, as many people figured he would if, uh, you know, if, if Tampa Bay won just because, well, it's Tom Brady. But again, ultimately, man, it's all about that defense. That defense got after it. And uh, for a guy like me who enjoys defense and, and especially seeing uh, those linebackers, Levante David and Devin White just flying around the field, man, man, it was it was something. And I've talked about it multiple times, man. That is the kind of player and players that the Raiders need. Guys with that kind of speed from the linebacker position, sideline to sideline, could diagnose a play and get after it. How many times did you see a play blown up in the backfield because one of those two dudes was making plays? Uh, ultimately, uh, Devin White comes up with an interception late in the game. Uh, you know, it was a tip ball. He tipped it and then uh, was able to recover it as well, uh, get the interception. Just an all-around really, really great game from that Tampa Bay defense. So they are the Super Bowl 55 champs. Uh, they hosted the Super Bowl, and they won the Super Bowl. And now it is officially 100% the offseason. Every single team across the league is now looking at the draft. Every single team across the league is now looking at free agency. Every single team is wondering, how do we improve so we could be that team next year that's playing in L.A. in Super Bowl 56. So, uh, yeah, it is now officially the offseason. Coming up on today's show, uh, I, I got a real special show for you today. Uh, I was kind of thinking about should I do this show on Tuesday and just talk about different elements of the, the Super Bowl and how that, you know, what that pertains to the Raiders. But instead, I did tease it on Friday's show. Uh, Brentley Wiseman from DraftNetwork.com, he put out a really good piece talking about Henry Ruggs III and how the Raiders can get more from Henry Ruggs III in his, in his uh, year two. I actually talked to him on what I talked to him on Thursday evening. I talked to him Thursday evening, so I, I just held on to this interview. So you're going to hear that in segment number two and segment number three of today's show. You'll hear the interview with Brentley Wiseman from the Draft Network uh, talking all things Henry Ruggs. Here in segment number one, just give you the news and the notes that I collected over the weekend and just some things to, to talk about real quickly before we get into the interview. So let's go ahead and hop right to it. So off top, got to give a big congratulations to both Tom Flores and Charles Woodson for being announced as Hall of Famers, uh, something that shouldn't not have been a surprise to anyone in Raider Nation. I know Tom Flores, Coach Flores, had been uh, trying to get into the hall for a very, very long time, but as my guy John McClain told us, and, and, it's, and you've heard it on this podcast plenty of times, he said he was getting in this year, and, and, and in fact, he did. It was announced on Saturday. Uh, Coach Flores and Charles Woodson, both in the hall, uh, also in the class. Peyton Manning, 
Calvin Johnson, Drew Pearson, Alan Fanica, Bill Nunn, John Lynch, and uh, like I said, Tom Flores and Charles Woodson. They make out the 2021 uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame class. And so congratulations to them. And I thought it was really cool. Uh, Charles Woodson was actually doing an interview in his backyard when David Baker, who's the president of the Hall of Fame, actually came to his house to knock on the door. I thought it was going to be a virtual knock. I thought it was going to be some kind of, you know what I mean, like a, a Zoom call or something. Instead, he actually showed up in person. And it was so funny because uh, Charles Woodson was in his backyard doing an interview talking about an NFC championship game when he he was in Green Bay, and then all of a sudden, here comes David Baker. So uh, it's not that great to see or hear without the, the without the video, but I still thought it was some pretty good audio. So here's uh, David Baker talking to Charles Woodson about being a, a member now of the Hall of Fame. For 18 years, this defensive back was trouble all over the field. One of the greatest competitors I've ever faced and one of the greatest teammates I've ever played with. So welcome to Canton, Charles Woodson. What's your favorite memory from your NFC Championship game? A lot of great memories. You know, just winning the game and uh <laughs> How you doing, Charles? Sorry to interrupt your interview. But I was trying to knock on the front door on, and nobody was answering. Because we're here to deliver some great news. Doing an interview. I know. And this out this with y'all, okay. So now I'm starting to think y'all was in on <laughs> Charles. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Canton. Congratulations. We in the hall, man. We in the hall, man. So there's Charles Woodson right there celebrating with his family. And again, even though you knew and every, even though he knew that he was going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, just because he's so stinking good and was so great throughout the course of his career, it's still until you actually get that, you know, announcement or that knock or you talking to David Baker, you still kind of get a little bit nervous. That's what uh, LaDainian Tomlinson told me when uh, we went to Canton when he uh, when he was put in. And I asked him about that. And he was like, man, even though everyone tells you you're going to get in until you officially are talking to David Baker, it, it's it's just doesn't really sink in so uh, you can hear that emotion right there from Charles Wilson so big congratulations to C. Wood and of course coach Tom Flores who had been long overdue getting into the hall but he is officially in as well this this year it's going to be a fun time in Canton so uh, if you have one opportunity to go somewhere I suggest you try to make that trip to the Hall of Fame because it is a heck of an uh, experience and, and I think everyone should go and check it out and why not go this year when there's two Raiders going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, also some news broke over the weekend not really I don't know if it really broke but it was a report put out that the Patriots are looking at quarterback Marcus Mariota we talked about Nate Peterman how the Raiders uh, re-signed him to a one-year deal well apparently and this is according to this report the Patriots are, are interested in in Marcus Mariota and so uh, I guess they were interested in Matt Stafford but they were never able to to work out a deal obviously as he ended up with the Rams and so um, Albert Breer from Monday Morning Quarterback said the Patriots are checking in on everything and he's pointing out Marcus Mariota is probably what they are looking at when it comes to to a, a quarterback. So he's 27 years old. Uh, they had interest in him before he actually signed with the Raiders uh, when he was a free agent, and that nothing ended up working out there. Uh, he's still under contract with the Raiders, so maybe the Raiders could flip him for something. Who knows? Uh, I don't think that all three quarterbacks are going to be in the quarterback room this upcoming year. I think that's kind of obvious, especially after they re-signed Nate Peterman. Uh, I, I just don't think that they need all three quarterbacks. I don't think Derek Carr is going anywhere, 
Maybe it is. Maybe Marcus Mariota is the guy who gets moved. And Albert Breer, he's kind of estimating that he thinks that Marcus Mariota could get maybe a third-round pick in return. So that'd be okay. I'd be okay with that, seeing Marcus Mariota be traded for a third-round pick, give the Raiders another opportunity at it, and and see what happens. But, uh, yeah, that's just a report that came out over the weekend. So maybe something to pay attention to. It's nothing that's, like, uh, concrete or, oh, it's about to happen right away. But just something that looks like the Patriots are, may be interested in Marcus Mariota. But something that does look like it's about to happen and, and is on the way, and that is that the Eagles are expected to trade Carson Wentz in the coming days. This came from uh, Adam Schefter. As a matter of fact, this dropped on Saturday and so it looks like that this could be something that could happen even as early as like this week. So uh, that will be very interesting. I don't know what team. I'm assuming that probably the Colts are one of the team. I'm hearing the Colts, the Bears. Those are kind of two teams that were floated out there as well that are that are potentially looking into Carson Wentz. But that'll be an interesting move uh, to see if, if he gets traded. And then Philadelphia is basically saying, hey, Jalen Hurts, this is your team <laughs> after just a few starts. And that may be dangerous, you know, because he might not be ready to take that mantle. But uh, either way you look at it. Looks like Carson Wentz will be on his way out of Philadelphia. That's going to leave a lot of dead cap on their uh, on their salary cap hit, which is bad for them, especially this year when the salary cap is going to be going down. I believe it's estimated around 180, 181 right now. Uh, but still, that's not in concrete either. It could go as low as 175. It could stay, stay as high as like 195. But I think Adam Schefter said over the weekend he believes like 180, 181 is where they're they're looking at the salary cap. So uh, the Eagles are going to have like 30, I think it was 38 million dollars in dead cap space dead cap money on on their salary because of Carson Wentz when they trade him but either way you look at it it looks like that they're officially moving on from him and sometime this week it'll be announced so I'll be interested to see exactly what team picks him up so that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two and three, Brentley Wiseman from the DraftNetwork.com. I had a chance to talk to him on Thursday, talk about his piece he put out on Henry Ruggs III. You'll hear part one of that conversation coming up next. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about BetOnline.ag. The Super Bowl just got wrapped up. That does not mean there's nothing else to place bets on. There's nothing. There's so much stuff to you could place bets on. College basketball. Uh, NBA basketball. There's a lot of different things going on, and you could be a part of the action with betonline.ag. And if you do not have an account yet, you could open a free account today. And with your first deposit, if you use the promo code Locked On, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. So you put $100 in, you're going to get $150 to play with. You put $200 in, you're going to get $300 to play with. It's just as simple as that. Get off the sidelines, get into the action, and remember betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. If you're on social media, you can check them out at betonline underscore ag. Again, take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for the free account and use the promo code Locked On to get your sign-up bonus today. That's betonline.ag. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joining me now on the phone lines is Brantley Wiseman from DraftNetwork.com. You can find Brantley on Twitter at Brantley12 and he was a former scout with the Chargers, also worked with the Patriots and he let me know that the Raiders were actually the first team that ever gave him a job. So so Brantley, uh, uh, welcome to the show. I appreciate your time, my man. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, always down to talk some Raiders football with you and excited to be on the show. And you put out a piece, and this really caught my attention. You put out a piece on the draftnetwork.com about how can Raiders get most out of Henry Ruggs the third next season. And 
That is the million dollar question. And I'm telling you, that's something that I've talked about and debated and and gave my thoughts on. But Henry Ruggs, he was the first wide receiver taken off the board in 2020, played in 13 games, had 26 catches, 452 yards and two touchdowns. And that's just not enough production for the number 12 overall pick. His speed is great. A lot of people say he opens up the offense for others. But Brentley, I've said it multiple times. They didn't draft him at number 12 to be a world class decoy. No, I, I think I think that's a really valid point, you know, and, I, and this is where I kind of wanted to get into my article where, you know, the Raiders drafting Ruggs at 12 signified ahead. He is going to be our number one receiver. This is where we're going to like the passing game is going to go through Ruggs. We have Waller and Josh Jacobs, but all we're missing is a true number one guy. The Raiders, Gruden, Carr, whatever. Bottom line is they did not treat Ruggs like he was a number one receiver. And as a matter of fact, they treated him more as if he was just a situational deep threat. You you you, you said his stats. I think it was what twenty six receptions, and yep. I don't have it in front of me. I'm not sure of the amount of targets, but I do know there was only there was never a game in which he had more than five targets as the number one receiver off the board, a top twelve pick with a team that really doesn't have a true like solid like receiver i mean i like aguilar but let's not pretend like he's some kind of world beater right right that's, that's, that's inexcusable that's inexcusable and so you know when i when i wrote the piece i wanted to spend some time watching the tape and, and, and seeing you know is it is the issue rugs it was it the play calling is it the quarterback what, what's the deal here and really i came away with rugs is just fine he got separation he's he's beating receivers deep he's beating re- or sorry, beating corners deep. He's beating corners laterally on on routes. It's really just the coaching staff and the quarterback failing to have that trust and confidence in him to really feature him in the offense. Yeah, and see, that's what blew my mind is because I watched a lot of Alabama football, and I'm not going to lie and say I went back and studied film, but I watched a lot of Alabama football, and when I saw Ruggs playing with Jerry Judy and others, they always have a plethora of talent. I saw Ruggs running crossing patterns. I saw him running slants, yep. quick hitters, getting on the ball quickly and letting them use his speed. I never felt that the Raiders committed to doing that, and it was more try to stretch the field, and that's not something he did at Alabama. So how much of that was the issue, just the play calling and the, and the not using him the way he was used in college i think you literally hit the nail on the head i think what made rug so special was yes he's a speed receiver and he can beat you deep but that's not necessarily how he won in college he won on slants he won on tunnel screens he won on you know 10 yard ends and posts like he his ability to beat defenders off the line and and, and really get the ball hands uh get the ball in his hands you know early in the round let him do his magic that's where he won the Raiders and Gruden, they were so predictable in the way they used him in the sense that all he ran was go and posts. And that was whether that was by play design to open things up for Waller, Jacobs, and Aguilar, sure, whatever. But why did you draft him then at 12 right. if that's all you're going to use him as? That's the question, you know? Like, to me, they needed to have more featured plays for this guy to get him going. They needed to run routes. You know, let him run, let him run some slants, scheme up some some quick screens to him, and not just be so dang predictable with the token deep shot to keep the defense honest. Like it's like what DK Metcalf said with his with his offense. Like the defense is catch on at some point, and you know, I think this comes back to 
the, the Raiders coaching staff, whether whether it's because he was he missed time with injury or the short offseason program, they did not have trust in this kid. No, they didn't. And, and again, it kind of makes you scratch your head and wonder, well, okay, if you weren't going to trust them, you didn't trust what you saw on film, why did you draft him at number 12? We're, we're talking right now with Brantley Wiseman from thedraftnetwork.com. You can find him on Twitter, at Brantley12. And, you know, John Gruden said immediately after they drafted him, this is our Tyreek Hill. We want to have our version of Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill's playing in the Super Bowl. And, and so mm-hmm. my question, and I've said this multiple times, I've talked about it and said, if you're going to use him like Tyreek Hill, you can still have Waller be your number one guy, but you can still get a lot of volume out of Ruggs. Do you see Tyreek Hill-type tendencies that can come out in Henry Ruggs if they use him the correct way? Well, it's tough. You know, I hate comparing players to Tyreek Hill, but, right. you know, I do think that if the Raiders commit to actually scheming him the ball, making him a legit weapon in their offense where plays run through him, not him opening things up for other guys, yes, I think with Ruggs' speed, his change of direction – his acceleration, there there could be, you know, a Tyreek Hill-like impact. But to me, it, it all comes back to Gruden. And, like, I feel like I'm a broken record here, but right. I just don't think Gruden is Andy Reid. I don't – I think, you know, one of the things that people like to think about Gruden is he's some kind of ultra-aggressive, creative coach, and he's really not. Right. He, he's, he's, he's really almost he's, – he's more vanilla than he is creative, in my opinion. And, and I think, you know, with a guy like Ruggs – you know, you, you, you got to treat him like he's your number one receiver. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that, you know, if you have a talent like Ruggs, these guys volume, you know, it takes, it takes a volume in targets and receptions for guys to get going. And I just feel like using him as a situational deep threat targeting, I think average targets per game is three. That's inexcusable. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and it was so frustrating for Raider Nation throughout the season because, again, those targets were what most people questioned. Like, how come we're not seeing a, a quick screens? How come we're not seeing the, you know, the uh, just the little pop passes? How come we're not seeing all this? It's just like it's so frustrating, especially when you know he's got that speed that kills, and and you can't teach speed, so he's got what, what you need, just not getting him the ball enough. And and you mentioned uh, John Gruden not being very creative offensively, and that's, that's something that, I mean, you're spot on about. You know, he's just he is who he is you know he's going to kind of do everything by way of the run and that's going to set up everything else and uh, he really likes what he has in Darren Waller and so then you have Henry Ruggs out there Uh, how much of this issue do you think could be on Derek Carr for not you know not getting on the same page with him and and the offseason was kind of strange but just not not maybe trusting him enough either well I'll tell you what you know Carr and Ruggs they they were off all year you know even from you know I think it was starting in New Orleans right I mean Carr missed rugs on multiple deep shots and really even on on, on other plays Carr would put the ball somewhere where rugs wasn't necessarily expecting it and some timing seemed off they had no connection and it's, it's really curious because I want to to blame blame this on like the short end off season but at the end of the day Nelson Aguilar was a free agent and yeah he and Carr had all kinds of connection and so my personal theory is that there was a lot of hype coming into the season about the rugs and car connection. And I think there was a lot of kind of external pressure on, on car being able to get rugs, the ball. I think a lot of it, maybe he was forcing it. You know, I think, I think he was maybe pressing the issue a little bit. And um, where was Aguilar? I think he could play a little, he can play a little more freely and there is you know, some kind of external pressure to, to feed Aguilar. Right. You know, but it was, it was, it was pretty hyped about, 
Carr getting Ruggs the ball? Does Carr have the arm to hit him deep? Is Carr gunslinger enough to utilize Ruggs? Those were those were you know storylines heading into the season, and so I think it's a mixture of yes, obviously the lack of off season, um, yes with Ruggs uh, injuries being in and out of practice, in and out of games probably didn't help either. But I also think it's just the innate kind of pressure that Carr might have felt from externally to get Ruggs the ball affected him, you know, when he's actually in the game trying to target him. So that's part one of my conversation right there with Brantley Wiseman from DraftNetwork.com talking all things Henry Ruggs. Coming up in segment number three, you'll hear part two of my conversation as we wrap things up, talking all things Henry Ruggs III. He has a really good piece out there on DraftNetwork.com. Brantley Wiseman, that is. You need to go check it out. But check it out after you listen to part two of that conversation, which is coming up next. Before I get into it, though, I do want to tell you about one of the great sponsors here on the Locked On Raiders podcast and really just on the Locked On Podcast Network in general, and that is Built Bar. A really, really good taste of protein bar. Maybe after that Super Bowl on Sunday, that's something that you need to get your snack on. Or maybe during the Super Bowl, you were getting your snack on and you could do it with a Built Bar, and they have a bunch of really, really good flavors, 18 of them, and word is... There's more flavors on the way. I don't know that for a fact. I don't know exactly what flavors they are, but I'm hearing that there's some new flavors on the way, so be on the lookout for that. But uh, what I do know is that the Built Bar tastes great. I know it's 100% covered in chocolate. It's soft. It's easy to chew. And, I mean, they got flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, banana bread, peanut butter, toffee almond, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, and a whole lot more. They're great for the health-conscious man or woman. They'll help you lose or maintain weight while you're enjoying a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. So check them out today, BuiltBar.com. While you're there and you decide what you want, you get your box or you get a couple boxes, when you go to check out, use the promo code LOCKEDON, you're going to save 20% at the same time. So not only are you going to get hooked up with a great taste of protein bar, you're also going to save money at the same time. If you use the promo code LOCKEDON, it's going to get you 20% off your order. LOCKEDON, promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Segment number three is on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Talking right now with Brantley Wiseman from the DraftNetwork.com. Put out a piece called How Can Raiders Get Most Out of Henry Ruggs the Third Next Season? And let's go ahead and think about that. How can the Raiders get more out of Henry Ruggs next season? Because clearly 26 catches, 452 yards, and two touchdowns is not going to do it. I mean, he's got to get this, this volume. So what should John Gruden, what should Greg Olson, what should they do? Derek Carr, how do they get in the lab and scheme things up to get Henry Ruggs more involved? Well, first and foremost, you have to go into the offseason. You have to go into the training tra- training camp, the OTAs, the season, with the full understanding, hey, Ruggs is the guy. Ruggs is the guy. He's the number one receiver on this team. Dropping number 12 overall. We're going to treat him as such. We're going to target him like crazy. We're going to target him 10-plus times a game. We don't give a damn. You know, that's, that's the mindset you got to have to have with these true number one receivers. And if Ruggs isn't that, if you don't think Ruggs is that, then you should lose your job from drafting at number 12 overall. That's that's number one. Number two, you know, just in terms of scheme and, and play calling, yes, I think we got to see more screens. We got to see more slants. We got to see more kind of creative ways to get the ball into Ruggs' hands early in the route rather than just using him in situational deep threats because though that will come. You know, actually using rugs in a variety of ways, letting him run a full route tree, that's only going to help the Raiders hit him deep because the defenses aren't just going to expect that every single play, right? And so I think, you know, 
Gruden and Co. treating Ruggs like he's a true number one, being more creative and getting him the ball, and then also just Ruggs staying healthy. I think, you know, if those three things happen, Ruggs is going to have a huge sophomore season. You know, you mentioned the route tree and running the full route tree. Uh, something Mike Mayock and John Gruden both mentioned that, you know, he's got to clean up his, his route running. He's got to get a little bit stronger at the line of scrimmage. How much of that does Henry Ruggs need to do in the offseason just on his own to improve and be a better NFL player instead of a collegiate? Yeah, you know, I'm out here, you know, knocking Gruden a whole bunch, but like, let's not pretend Ruggs is a perfect player, right? I mean, right. I think I wrote an article like, you know, Ruggs did struggle with drops. He did struggle when bigger, stronger corners, you know, were able to press it and get on early, you know, he, he struggled kind of fighting through a jam. And, you know, those are things that I do believe are correctable. Um, I do think Ruggs needs to, you know, add some more mu- muscle mass. And really, he doesn't have to get super stronger. But, you know, if he, if he gets adds a little more play strength, he can probably f- uh, fight off a jam a little easier, but also just spend more time in the lab, right? Keenan Allen ain't the biggest, the strongest dude. And, BBs can't touch him off the line, right? right? I think it takes practice, and that's a that's a craft. You know, people like have, honing your releases. Yes, you needed a certain amount of quickness and explosion off the line. That's Ruggs has that. He just needs to kind of hone up his technique and and just get more creative off the line. And then with the drops, I just feel like again, I hate to say it, you know, but the, I think pressure. Um, obviously, Ruggs is feeling big time. You know, he had all these other receivers dominating and he was struggling. I think, you know, I think he was pressing a bit um, with, with some of these drops and as well as just kind of concentration lapses when he's trying to make a play uh, before it catches the football. But, you know, I do think there's room for, for improvement with rugs, but that's, but like the issues with rugs are all things he can fix. Like right. that's what makes him such a good prospect because is because he has the things that coaches can't coach, you know, his ability, to me, this most underrated ability is just to climb the ladder as a small receiver. He reminds me of Steve Smith. You know, that's that's my favorite player of all time. And just the way <laughs> at, five, at five nine, Steve Smith can literally out jump two people on and make the play. Rugs shown that. He's shown that in Alabama. He's shown that, you know, as, as a rookie. And you know, that's what I'm saying. Where I think Rugs is super talented. Does he have some things he can clean up? Sure, but you know, he's a Top 13 pick for a reason, and I think the Raiders need to treat him like it. Well, just got a couple more questions before I let you go. How about this? Nelson Aguilar looks like he's, well, he's going to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he returns to the Raiders. Who knows? He had a big season. I was actually shocked that he had a bigger season that he did, but it was a contract year, and you know how that goes. I mean, contract years, players go out there and show <laughs> out just a little bit more than they do when it's not a contract year. Do you think that the the progress of Nelson and the way that he played in 2020 had a little bit to do as well with uh, the the regression of Henry Ruggs and maybe the lack of targets because Carr and Nelly were on such the same page. Yeah, I mean, you know, N- Nelly was a first round pick. You know, let's not right. look, we can't forget that. Yeah, he had a falling out in Philly, but the talent's never really necessarily been the the question with Nelson. Um, in terms of Nelson's success having an impact on Ruggs, I think maybe, but. You know, I, I also think looking at it differently, maybe Ruggs's, you know, lack of success had a positive impact on on Nelson's, right? Yeah, I think it's true. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a finite amount of targets available in an offense. And when the quarterback does have a, which would seem like to me like a more natural connection than, you know, than that Carr had with Ruggs, it, it makes more sense that Aguilar would be more productive. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily believe. 
Aguilar returning would be in the best interest of Ruggs, in my opinion, and, and his development. Because, um, like I said, I just feel like the Raiders need to make a conscious effort to feed this kid the ball. And, then, like, like, otherwise, I just don't understand why you drafted him at 12. Right, exactly. You know, it's funny. When he they drafted him, I said, well, you don't draft a Ferrari to drive it like a minivan, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> yes. if you're going to go buy a Ferrari, yes. then damn it, treat it like a Ferrari. Don't treat it like you're about to take the kids to school, you know? So. <laughs> no, that analysis is 100% right. You know, if you got it, you better drive it. Like, it what are we doing? Exactly, exactly. And, and final question for you, and I kind of just thought about this, and I know you watched a lot of the film, so that's why I want to uh, run this one yep. by you. A lot of people talked about the way that Derek Carr throws the ball, and I don't have a problem with it, but it seems, you know, he, he yep. does kind of float it, and he kind of allows the the, uh, the the wide receiver to kind of run underneath it. Do you think that Ruggs adapts better to a guy who puts more on a line than as a, a, a lob? Because it seems like Nelly did really well with that, but every wide receiver is not, you know, not the same. No, you know, that's something I actually never really thought of. You know, Derek, he does like to lop it a little more, whereas I actually, as comparison to Tua, he did throw it on a line. Right. And that, that, that is what Ruggs was more comfortable with. But at the end of the day, the ball's in the air. I think the natural ball skills kind of take over. You know, I don't, I don't think it necessarily matters whether it's more lofted or more on a line. I think, you know, these good players with the insane hand-eye coordination that these guys have, you know, they can – they can make a play on any kind of ball, um, you know. So I, I, I don't, I don't know, know if that was a major factor. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. It sounds like by reading your piece and by talking to you, and this has been great stuff, and I really do appreciate your time. Uh, it sounds like that you do feel that that Raider Nation shouldn't shouldn't panic yet. That there's still hope for Henry Ruggs that he he could still be a damn good wide receiver even after a very non productive rookie year. Yeah, you know. Listen, like I, I, I live in the Bay Area. I grew up. Uh, I grew up, you know, in Davis, California. I have a lot of friends who are Raider fans, and I hear it. You know, they ask me all the time, hey, is Rugs a bust? Should they have drafted Jefferson? Should they have drafted CD? Should they have drafted Judy, Ayuk? You know, hell, you name them. <laughs> there's, right. there's, a, there's a long list, yeah. right? And, you know, hindsight's 2020. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say Rugs is going to be better than any of those dudes. But I will sit here and say that Rugs is going to be good. You know, I, th- I, th- I think Rugs has the talent. I think he has the work ethic. Um you know, to, to succeed in this league and just based on the tape, man, he, he, his tape looked good in the targets that he was given. And so I just think he needs, he just needs more targets to kind of prove what he can do. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited about what he could potentially do his, his next year. I'm hoping John Gruden and everybody gets into the lab and they cook up some stuff. Hopefully Henry Ruggs is doing some work as well, and they kind of come together and, and kind of unleash the guy, the, the Ferrari that we're talking about, what he can <laughs> yeah. uh, what he can absolutely be. Brantley, great stuff, man. That's Brantley Wiseman from DraftNetwork.com. You can find him on Twitter, at Brantley12, and uh, he has a piece out right now. I suggest everyone go check out and read How Can Raiders Get Most Out of Henry Ruggs III Next Season? Again, Draft draftnetwork.com is the site uh, great stuff man you, you guys do good work over there at the at the draft network i appreciate your time and uh, i look forward to talking to you down the line as well all right q yeah man i appreciate it so there was right there my conversation with brantley wiseman from draftnetwork.com talking all things henry ruggs the third and i uh, thought that was a really good conversation and really kind of let you know where a lot of the issues came from from his rookie year and how he can prove in year two and, and really the raiders really need henry ruggs to step up in a major way in year two regardless who the number one wide receiver is, regardless how much you run the ball, regardless of anything. I mean, Henry Ruggs just has to have a whole lot more production in year two than he did in year 
year one. That's on John Gruden, and that's also on Henry Ruggs. They all got to come together and figure out exactly how to get it going. But I thought Brentley had a lot of good ideas there in that piece, and, and talking to him, I thought that was some, some really good stuff from him. So hopefully you enjoyed that conversation as well. And please believe DraftNetwork.com is something that not only I'll use, but uh, everyone on the Locked On Podcast Network will be using. Well, the ones that do NFL, obviously, will be uh, you know will be using that throughout the the course of the offseason. We'll be going back to having you know mock draft Mondays and all that other good stuff. As now it's the officially the offseason. You know, you got free agency coming up, and then you got the draft, and so everyone's going to be focusing. The combine's not going to be uh, what it what it usually is. You know, there's everyone's going to be focusing on pro days. It's not it's not any kind of combine. I mean, it's 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 so different this offseason that this whole like dr- just lead up to the draft is going to be different. So you're just going to have to. Have to pay attention. Your scouts are going to have to be on their A game and trust what they see on film instead of trust what they see in Indy at the Underwear Olympics and, you know, stuff like that. So uh, this is where those guys make their money. So we'll see exactly how it shakes out. But we are here. We are here to the official offseason now for the NFL. And it was a fun one. Congratulations again to Tampa Bay uh, for putting a whooping on Kansas City. That defense was outstanding. Uh, matter of fact, tomorrow on the show, might talk about, again, go back to the need for a big-time linebacker. And I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but the way that Levante David and Devin White were flying around that ball on or flying around that field on Sunday and just being able to give the Chiefs so many fits, it was it was just a thing of beauty, man. And, and that's just part of uh, Gus Bradley's job is to get get that defense flying around and, and, and trying to keep up with the speed of the Chiefs and there's a lot of stuff to talk about a lot of things to diagnose and break down from the Super Bowl and and we'll start all that stuff on tomorrow's show so uh, until tomorrow Raider Nation uh, enjoy your day make sure you take care of your family wash your hands social distance wear your mask you know we ain't out of the woods yet Uh, everyone be safe out there and uh, yeah we'll be back on the show tomorrow so I appreciate you and as always Raider Nation just win baby